Yeah, I mean, I did realize it. I knew that it was all about relationships, you know, yeah. and it wasn't really about the squash. I knew that. I'm James Zug, and this is Outside the Glass. The squash and education movement was started 25 years ago today. Well, give or take. For some, the anniversary could come from when Greg Zaff wrote a grad school paper about starting an after-school youth enrichment program. Or, first time Greg typed in the word squash busters onto his computer in his apartment in Cambridge. Or, the first meeting Greg had with the board of Mass Squash when they agreed to give him $5,000 of seed money. Or, the first time, as he recalls here, he got someone to join the board of squash busters when he called Mark Talbot from a payphone in Harvard Square. Or, the first time he and Mark demonstrated the game of squash in the gyms at two local schools. Or, the very first practice, which was on the 30th of September, 1996. But for me, the anniversary is today. For it was in early May, 1996, when kids got out onto an actual squash court and the balls were flying in the air. And that occurred when Greg hosted the first official tryouts for Squash Busters. Anyway, regardless of the actual date, here is the origin story of the squash and education movement, something that has utterly transformed the world of squash in the past quarter century. Yeah, I mean, there were there were a few different things that, that ended up inspiring me towards squash busters and urban squash. The first was my own experience as, as a player. Um, particularly when I was playing pro squash in the, in the eighties, most of the eighties after college and traveling around the country and, and, you know, realizing firsthand how exclusive and, and unavailable the sport was to most people. And yet I had an awareness that there were courts that were open in the afternoons that were not being used. So there was that seed that got planted. And then it combined with, you know, a subsequent interest I had in public service after my squash days. And, and with a paper that I wrote at the Kennedy School of Government in my final term, uh, it was an entrepreneurship class, and I had to write a paper about starting an organization um, for making the world a better place. And I wrote about uh, starting a youth, an urban youth program with squash and education. And so those things combined to basically get me to try to begin with squash busters. And yeah, you that, told me once started, about 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 driving through Harlem on the way to a, a tournament and, and realizing that like where you were going was a club that wasn't accessible to people living in Harlem. Remember that? Yeah, I think what I said and I, is that I, I, I would go through Harlem and I did this in Boston too. I don't know why, just to sort of understand that the world was a messed up place and that there was this juxtaposition of the haves and the have-nots. And honestly, yeah. I also really knew that that broke out along racial lines and it bothered me a lot. And I couldn't really, yeah. un you know, it was just a big problem in this country, still is massive problem. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. 
I would do that when I would, when I would, you know, come into the city in New York to play squash. Yeah. Well, that, that paper, uh, is sort of, a an iconic lost paper. It was, you said it was titled bringing squash down from the ivory tower. Um, yes. You wrote for That's the, what the it Kennedy was school. Yep. Uh, and, uh, that, 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 uh, I, I, I've never seen it, but, but um, last year, if you recall, I found uh, your yeah, uh, unbelievable. Yep. your your business plan that you put together um, around April of 1995. Uh, yep. and you put it you put it together. I think for a, a, a board meeting at the uh, Massachusetts Squash, uh, the district association in, in Boston, uh, and you carried this 11 uh, page document into. Um, uh, in, in, into that meeting, and it's titled MSRA Youth Squash Development. So yeah. Tell me about how you put yeah. how you put this together. The story behind that is that I was having a lunch after playing doubles in I think it was March with Molly Downer, who was a very good friend of mine, and we were having lunch. Uh, I remember it so well, and. She said, "What are you? Uh, what are you doing for the rest of the day?" And I happened to be going to meet with a woman who was running an inner city tennis program, and I was just interested in this stuff. And I told Molly that, and she said, "You know what the hell are you doing it with tennis for? We should do it with squash." And I had talked to Molly about that in relation to the Harvard Club of Boston. And, and basically, she said, go home and write up your idea, like, right now, and let's have a meeting with the MSRA and see if we can get you some money, and let's try to make it happen. And literally that day, I, start, I started writing that paper. That's, that's what happened. That was the real beginning of Squash Busters, that paper. <clears throat> It's an amazing paper, uh, Greg. I mean, there, there, there's so much in here about sportsmanship and, you know, uh, you know, having a long-term vision. I mean, I, I, I know you were not envisioning what 25 years later we have today around the country and around the world, but, but you, you, you weren't sort of saying, well, we'll see where this goes and maybe it'll last a year. I mean, you really had a, a vision of, of something um, longer. Well, I had a vision that the program was going to be built upon values and not winning. And I had a vision that the program was going to be demanding and all-encompassing. That, that, those were the two really clear things that I felt would lead to success. Yeah. Is, is values, like showing up, trying, being honest, caring about other people, all of that stuff that anybody can do, that anybody has control over. Um, yeah. And, and, and then just making the program really intensive so that kids would, would build an identity around it. That was, that was a real clear instinct I had. And, yeah. and I think the right one. Yep. And, and you, uh, you cobbled together, um, uh, you got the Harvard Club, um, you, you got two schools. I mean, you sort of put this partnership together um, uh, pretty quickly. I mean, it, it sounds like it, right? It took you about a year to, to figure out all the, all the pieces? 
It was a year and a half between when Mass Squash said, okay, we'll give you the $5,000 and the first practice, which happened in like October 1 of 96. So yeah. between April or March or April of 95 and October 1 and 96 was all the development. The nonprofit, the school partnerships, the vans, the board of directors, some fundraising. I mean, fundraising was quite small. The, the cash operating budget year one was $45,000, the whole thing. Amazing. So, I, And that was a key help getting that $5,000 uh, grant from, from the Massachusetts squash. Yeah, I mean, I knew a lot of the people on that board. I, I had to present to the Mass Squash Board at the University Club of Boston. And I came in there with that paper and and talked. And honestly, I think people thought it was nuts. It was in, <laughs> They thought it was nuts. And, you know, but I knew a lot of the people that thought it was nuts. It was Lenny Bernheimer, Tom Poor, Molly was there. You know, they knew me. And yeah. everybody kind of thought it was nuts, but exciting, yeah. too. Certainly something worth trying for. Nobody was uh, not interested in in giving it a whirl, but it was it had never been done before, and it was ambitious. And I was saying ambitious things like they're going to practice three, four days a week. I'm going to drive all over the place. We're going to, you know, it was a big it was a big vision at the time. Well, and and in the paper, you talk about uh, that you're going to break down barriers between children of diverse ethnic and economic backgrounds. I mean, you you know, it wasn't it wasn't just like oh, I want to like have kids play squash. You know, it was like the, there was you know a lot about academics, uh, excelling in the classroom. I mean, you you really wanted to change these kids' lives. Yeah, I did. I wanted to change their lives, and I think I wanted I certainly wanted to contribute to other people's lives too i wanted to mix people up and bring bring kids together that really do not interact um yeah and and people together adults i i definitely saw the program as a as an uh you know the chance to be a melting pot and to bring bring lots of different people together to come to know each other, which I believe uh, could change attitudes for the better. I do not think it's totally done that. I think you can just look around the world and obviously see such huge division. Um, But these types of programs are, are the, the way to make improvements. Well, and and you had the philosophy of sort of an inch wide, a mile deep, uh, right from the beginning, you know, having a small cohort of kids that you were going to have a sort of wrap around, you know, every week, you know, all year uh, kind of uh, impact with. Yep, I did. Yeah. I did. You you, for, you you formed a board um, uh, uh, and you got um, – uh, Lenny and Tom, you mentioned you got Bill Doyle. Um, yeah, uh, you got a couple politicians. Uh, you got the governor of Massachusetts, Bill Weld. 
Um, so that, how was that process of sort of developing a board for a program that nobody understood? Well, most of the board people were squash friends of mine. So, yeah. you know, they said yes. It wasn't some big, big deal. It was a little tiny operation, and they were caring people that wanted to help. Uh, yeah. Getting the governor was a huge breakthrough for us, huge, kind of unheard of. And I got him to do it because I played squash with him a little bit. I met him at the Kennedy School at a brown bag lunch, and he brought up at that lunch that he played squash, and I went up to him and introduced myself and invited him to play squash, and I became, you know, I probably played squash with the governor, I don't know, eight to ten times, and so I invited him to join the board, and he said, I'll do it if my lawyers will allow it. I remember it, and they allowed it, so I got his name on the letterhead, and he came one day early on in the program and played. We had the TV cameras. It was a total breakthrough. We were in the Boston Globe. He played with every kid. Three right. minutes a kid. He played 24 kids. So that helped us a lot, getting Governor Well to, to, to sign on to this. Yeah. No, I remember that article uh, in the Globe when that came out. That was a real yeah. true. Um. So you, uh, you and Mark Talbot, uh, you went to these schools. Tell me about the, the, those tryouts. Yeah, I mean, Mark had experience with this. You know, Mark was did this thing with Prince Racket Sports where he had gone in and, and done a lot of public school clinics prior to Squash Busters. And you know Mark. I mean, we were buddies, and he has a heart of gold. He was the very first person I asked to join the board of directors. I remember calling him from the middle of Harvard Square on one of those pay phones to invite him, <laughs> and he said yes. It's, I, I, it's, it's etched in my brain. He said absolutely. He was the first board member, and he came up here, and we spent three days and 20 hours in these gyms gymnasiums, Timothy and Harrington, going back-to-back -back with kids, playing squash against, you know, the various walls of a gym, ball ricocheting off fire extinguishers, and, you know, there were basketball hoops, and, you know, these kids coming in, and it was awesome. It was just awesome. It was the very first, um, it was the beginnings of Squash Busters, yep. Yeah. Um, and you think that was in the fall of 95 when, when you did those, uh, those... no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong about that. I'm just thinking again. Um, program began in 90, definitely began with kids in 96. I think you had, was, you had told me, Greg, winter, that the, the first date was September 30th of 1996 when you had the first official practice in person of everybody. Winter of 95, November, mm -hmm. December of 95, that article, that, that's when Mark and I were in the gyms. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then you selected, you tried, th th those were sort of the initial tryouts. And then in the spring of 96, you, you, you got the 24 kids selected, 12 from each school. Yeah. Late spring. 
spring. So we did we did tryouts kind of March April of '96. Had the team twenty four kids chosen, let's say May. Knew that we weren't going to start the program until the fall. So it was kind of through the summer that I made sure I played squash at Hemingway Gym with each of those kids at least three or four times, basically playing every day with kids, privately. So I was doing private lessons with the kids to get, because my fear was if you pick them in April and you go away until the fall, they go away too. And they, they basically, yep. they had no... Yep. Bear, no bearing in squash or squash busters whatsoever. So they could right. just, I'd call them up and they'd say, I don't want to do this anymore. So I, I, yep. I said, I got to, I got to hang out with these guys all summer. And I did. So you told me that you had, you had these, th- uh, these tryouts at Hemingway, um, that spring and, and you, you know, uh, and I think Mark was there too, helping you. Is that right? At the tryouts at Hemingway, some Mark, Mark, my rec- Mark was more at the school gymnasiums, okay. which was the yeah. which preceded the tryouts. You went from school gymnasium clinics for five hundred kids. The kids that were interested had to fill out an application, return it to a point person at the school. We took those signed applications. The parents had to sign. And those were the students that we invited to try out. The, yeah. Those students then came to Hemingway. And I and recruited who helped a whole you there? bunch of volunteers. All kinds okay. of people yeah. um, that, I, that I coordinated. And, um, and we didn't just do squash. We had spelling bee court, you know, push-up court. We had a court where it was suicides. We wanted to see if students would quit easily when they got tired or whether they, they had, you know, some tenacity. We were looking for that. And so, and then it was a massive transportation thing. We had to go over to Roxbury and get all these kids over to Cambridge and, and then back. And it was it was incredibly fun and exciting. Really was. And then... And what what you described when when you got these kids in this is sort of April May and then suddenly you're like ah like we're not starting till September and so you individually with every kid would would hang out with the kid play squash and you said you you would often even go back to their homes and and get to know their families yeah so tell, tell us about tell us yeah. about that that like secret summer of squashbusters where like you were you didn't realize it maybe but you were like creating the cement. The, the the foundation of the entire program sort of one-on-one with these kids is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I did realize that I knew that it was all about relationships, you know, yeah. and it wasn't really about the squash. I knew that. So I just spent a lot of time with them and, and honestly, I didn't want to, they were who I wanted to be with. I was really excited about being with them and coming to know them and their parents and, you know, I was, um, you might say, totally consumed in the thing. So yeah. there, I wasn't choosing to do anything else with my time. So um, so there was a, a lot of investment before the, we started day one. 
Yeah, I would well, that, that, exactly. sign me like all that yeah. summer. Like the, those those relationships, incredible. And and we did we did parent meetings, student parent. We signed contracts, which were completely non legal, and. Um, but I, I would go anywhere the parent wanted to meet. And most of the meetings were in the living room or kitchen of the, of the students and youth programs don't do that type of thing. They don't drive to a family's home and meet them on their own turf. But I was doing that. I was driving all over Roxbury and Dorchester and Cambridge and the families appreciated that. Um, and that showed a, a lot of commitment and respect for them. And that yeah. built relationships and built trust. And, uh, you know, I had meetings at Subway. I remember having one meeting at Dim Sum in Chinatown with a Chinese family, a girl named Jane Louie and her mom. Uh, I remember all this stuff. So it was it was a very special time. Yeah, you said like you know on a Saturday night, there's nothing more fun than you know playing squash and talking to these kids and like that. This was your you get you get sort of got consumed by this this idea by the program. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. was consumed by it. I was I I didn't want to really do much else. <laughs> So the um, the name Squashbusters you told me uh, came from a movie. Tell, tell me how you uh, created the the name. There was almost no thought given to the name. I turned the computer on, and I I had this image of Belushi. Who was it? Belushi and Aykroyd. Right. Is it, no, yeah. it was Aykroyd so, and Bill Murray. Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Yeah. So it was that this group of kids was going to do something in a different way than it had ever been done. And I came up with this kid-like name with absolutely thought of Ghostbusters. I put it on the page. I did not ask anybody's opinion about it. I didn't take, you know, I didn't know the thing was going to go anywhere. And, and that was it. I, I didn't ask a single person what they thought of the name. And, you know, some people love the name and some people hate the name 25 years later. <clears throat> but it is the name. Well, I like that you didn't sort of focus group it and, and you know, mull it around for hours like a lot of programs uh, subsequently have, you know, what, what to call themselves. And just, you know, you wrote it down. Chapter one, what is Squash Busters? Boom! Off you go. Yeah, you just, that's you just, it. You just did it. Yeah, amazing. So, uh, do you remember much? Uh, you said it was September thirtieth. Uh, do you remember much about that day when 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 you got all all twenty four kids together, uh, or you got maybe twelve and twelve? Or you, do you remember much about that first practice? It was twelve because the way it worked is the Cambridge school did two days a week. The, the Timothy and Roxford did two days a week. And then all 24 came to Harvard on weekends on Saturdays. Right. right. And, you know, I do remember dry. I think the first practice was with Cambridge. If I recall, first ever practice was with Cambridge. 
And I drove, we were leasing a van, and I went to the Harrington School and picked the kids up. And most, if not all, showed up. But it's easy to show up on day one. The question was whether they were going to keep showing up. And, you know, and most did. The, The attendance was was very good but when a kid wasn't there i would go to their house after practice and and have a discussion with them and Mm. and really i I wouldn't call them i go to their house and and knock on the door and sit with them and ask why they weren't there and uh it, it mattered to me a lot. Every single kid, every single day showing up was what was going to build the program's culture. So I was not uh, happy when there was any slippage. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, it, it was a Monday, so that was your Cambridge day, and then, and then two yeah. days of penalty. Um, and 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 did did uh, those first couple of weeks like go as well as you planned? I mean, this was like a you know kind of a shoestring thing that you you had the van which you parked outside your apartment. The 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 world headquarters of Squashbusters was the other room in your apartment, right? You had you had two bedrooms, yeah. and that yeah, that was, that exactly. was where the offices were, right? Yep, that's correct. <clears throat> and all the T-shirts and rackets were there and you know sneakers the whole thing was in that second room and um which i lived right down the street from hemingway right down the street on oxford street i could walk to hemingway in 11 minutes so that was pretty convenient yeah but yeah but only only merce center hadn't even opened right right when we started yeah, that was Murr a couple years later. Opened yeah. two, couple years later, and we went right to Murr. You know, Bill Doyle yeah. was very, very important to the to the success because he he made it happen for us at, with Harvard. Yeah, yeah, he really did. <clears throat> so well, and as we were saying, us. you you need you need the courts, like you need you need access to facilities to to make these programs yep. happen. Yep. Yeah. You also told me that right before the 30th, like that weekend, you got a, 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 a real generous gift from somebody that helped you start off with the bank. Do you remember that? Yeah. The weekend before Squash Busters started, I went to Williamstown for a racket reunion, an, an alumni racket reunion. But my real reason for going was to meet Bill Simon, who I had heard lots about and had never met. And I went up there to meet Bill and to tell him about Squash Busters and to see if he'd support the program, which he did. And we had a sandwich. We played tennis together, and then we went to Puppet Charlie's on Spring Street, which is a bit of an institution in Williamstown. And... He he supported us, and that began uh, Bill's love affair with Urban Squash right then, and our incredible friendship. So, um, 
other people besides Bill, I mean, th- this became a sort of community-wide project, right? It, it, before it ever started and as it was going, and 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 Sven Carlin uh, started. You know, there were people mentoring, and Sven got so into mentoring that you know he took he took a, a kid in to his house for a couple of years, right? So tell tell me about like how the community got so engaged with with Swashbusters. Yeah, I mean, Sven and John were mentors for Guillermo Maranta. What John mentored Guillermo, who a lot of people know, and Sven mentored Danny Corsioni. And uh, again, these are friendships I had that were built through squash. I met the Carlins when I was an assistant pro at the Appawamas Club in 1986. And, um, you know, I used to train with John. He was like 12 years old, and I think I was 22. And and that's how I met the Carlins. And um, I told Sven about this program. I went to the Interscholastics. This is how Sven and Laurie learned about it. They were at Trinity watching Pete Carlin play in the Interscholastics. I went down there to recruit people to get involved. And I saw Sven and I told him about it and he said, I'm going to be a mentor. That led to, without a doubt, Sven and Laurie mentoring Danny. They are still, Danny is like a member of the Carlin family to this day. He lived with them for three years in Hanover. They helped him get through high school. And they are really close to this day. And Danny is now 37 years old, something like that. Yeah. And and there are many, many other people that, you know, I, I, I still do this today. I was basically asking, constantly asking people to get involved and to help. And they did because that's the squash world. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's that's, amazing. That's, that's the uh, but well, it's also you you inspired everybody with this vision, um, you know, about access, about you know what we now call diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right? I mean, we weren't saying those things back then, but that's what you were you were working towards right from the beginning about you know using squash as a vehicle to to change not only the squash world, but the, the world itself. Yeah, that, that was, was the idea behind it for sure. Um, and, and another story to tell that's, that's special. And now 25 years later is when I first met George Polsky, I was the Maccabea coach in the summer of 97. So Squash Busters was one year old. And I went to Israel in July, and George was playing on the team. And I did not know George. I knew Jack, his older brother. Um, But George and I met, and I was basically talking about Squash Busters incessantly in Israel. I was far more interested in Squash Busters than the Maccabea games, truth be told. (laughs) And... George liked the idea a lot. 
and was intrigued by it. And at the time, he had plans. He entered NYU Social Work School the following fall. And he had been a teacher. And he decided that he was going to do the same thing. And he made his final paper at NYU on starting street squash. And that's, and we worked together. I helped him and told him what I knew. And, and that is, that was the beginning of street squash. And Jeff Lakin, who was involved in the Maccabea games, was on that bus in Israel when we were talking about squash busters. And Jeff, of course, became the founding board chair of Street Squash. But that that whole thing was born in Israel in 97. And you had said uh, to me about how, you know, you you had thought maybe, oh, we could have like squash busters, like you could have satellite branches all over the country. And then you thought, well, you know, in a way, let's let it expand organically and have you know, every city is different and, and, and not try to have like a, uh, a franchise, right. Where it's like swashbusters everywhere, but rather have it organically happen. So it really is rooted in the community and you're not sort of imposing it from, from Boston. Yeah. No, I didn't ever want it to be swashbusters. There, there was no part of me that had, that wanted swashbusters in New York. I was new to it and I had my hands full and I did not want to be, going beyond Boston at all. And uh, there might have been a chance for Squashbusters to have been the name in New York at the earliest time, but it was not what I wanted to do. I wanted um, to do my thing in Boston and to share what I learned and let others do it in their city. Yeah, yeah. Now, which is an interesting decision because I think that has made it so much stronger because it comes from the, you know, the community and the, the leaders and the kids and everybody, you know, from there. Um, so one other thing we've talked about is uh, those 24 kids sort of, you know, what, what happened to them. Um, and uh, uh, one thing that happened was a lot of them came to your wedding in when, when are you married? 99. Yep. Yep. 99. So tell, tell us about your wedding. Yeah. It was in it was in an inn in New Hampshire in the White Mountains, and I think twenty of twenty four of the students came, and um, it was special to, to have them there. They they spent the whole weekend there, and um, you know I, I will never forget that those 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 initial students are, and I'm not in touch with all of them. I'm in touch with some of them. But I uh, love them a lot, and they are the reason that Urban Squash is what it is today, as far as I'm concerned, because if they hadn't signed on and stayed committed, there really wouldn't be Urban Squash, I don't believe. And they took a bet on me and on the whole concept, and they put a lot of their their time and their um their energy and their and their love, and they took a lot of risk. They they were courageous to do it. It wasn't a popular, cool thing to do in their communities. They were trailblazers <laughs> to do it, and yeah. and they kept doing it because of the relationships, not 
there were some number of kids that fell in love with squash, but there were some number of kids that didn't. And that's still the case with urban squash. And the kids that don't fall in love with squash still often love the programming because of the people and because of the values and because they, we, they know they matter to yes. us. It becomes a family. Yes. It do, if it's done well, that's, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah, and you you, uh, you described how they they formed a uh, arch. I think you sent me a photo of them with an arch yeah. of, of of rackets, of squash rackets, and 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 it's true. You guys walked it's through. It's true. They, they made a when Sonia and I walked back down the aisle after being married at the back of the inn. The squash buster kids had rackets in like like an arch that we walked through. It was quite something. It's it's bittersweet because the way the program was designed back then, um, these these kids were mostly uh, seventh graders, right? Sixth when and seventh, sixth and seventh when they started, and it was sort of designed that you would have them for three years, and then when they would go on to high school, you would bring in new kids, and and that's sort of what happened with that first cohort, right? That they sort of you know graduated yep. from from the program, uh, and no that's how you school program. And and that was because it didn't, you know, that, that's just how the program worked back then. That you, you you were so small and 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 you couldn't you couldn't uh, absorb them. There weren't enough courts and staff. And that's all true. There was no there was no long term plan. It was simply will they show up? <laughs> and when they when they did, now you had to start thinking about what's the plan here, because. Stopping at the end of eighth grade is not a good plan. Right. Not a good plan at all. Yeah, but we were not set up. And I, um, that's what led to the Northeastern Project, is that enabled us to go all the way through high school and to start college support and everything else. Outside the Glass would like to thank our producer, Grant Irving, and all our loyal listeners who have reviewed and rated the podcast, shared their enthusiasm for it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and more importantly, have spread the word by talking about Outside the Glass with their squash friends. And may all your nicks roll.